It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. A big aspect of life that I've been reflecting on for the past week is something that was brought up in meditation and mindfulness and transformational anthropology group that I'm in with my mentor, Michael. I've mentioned him here on the podcast. Whitney and I have both known Michael for many years, and I've been working really intensely with him this year, sort of as an antidote to all of the chaos and uncertainty and massive changes that seem to be occurring on a daily basis in 2020. And one of the things that was brought up recently was the idea of an aim and setting intentions in life. And I think it's one of those things that for me, Whitney, I think for a long time, I've been pretty clear on what my aims and intentions are, whether that's I suppose something on my manifestation board or having an overarching why or something that I feel really committed to. It's clear of what I'm committed to and why I'm committed to it, which I think makes the how easier. It seems that when we face challenges in life, if we're really clear and we're really committed on why we're doing it and our reasons and our intentions, it seems that the hard times are easier to endure. But I realized that I think for the first time in a long time, I don't really have a clear aim for my life right now. We've talked a lot about why we do this podcast, why we have our brand Wellevator, why you and I decided to join forces. It's going to be almost three years ago since we launched Wellevator. And we've always had this sort of I suppose, soundbite of wanting to reduce unnecessary suffering and increase health and joyfulness. And sort of that's our lining through everything we do. But for me, I think my personal aim in life is a bit cloudy right now. It's a bit muddy. And it's such a perfect time because we've been talking about one of our most popular eBooks, Take Charge, which you can download, dear listener, on our website, which is wellevator.com. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You just click on the free resources section and you can actually download Take Charge, which is a compilation of tips and perspectives, stories and resources from some of our friends and colleagues in the health and wellness industry. And I think it's such a perfect time to dive back into this, Whitney. We launched it about a year ago. And especially today, what we're going to talk about, which is how to commit to personal and professional goals. I I think the timing of this and the reason I'm bringing this up is my frame on it is I'm looking to kind of gain new perspectives and the new ways of looking at what my aim is. And it's weird to use the word aim less because I'm sure that I have it, but I think I've just been super uncomfortable this past week asking myself the question of like, well, what is my aim? Am I aimless? Am I just kind of floating through life without a clear set of intentions? Which as someone who's used to having that, maybe as a foundation or a bedrock of which my creativity, my art, my projects, the things you and I do together in our business. I think I'm just one of my biggest levels of discomfort right now is that I feel muddy. I don't know that I have a clear aim. So diving into the subject matter today, I'm, I'm a little bit excited because I haven't reviewed this book in a while, this section of this book specifically. And I guess I'm just looking for new inspiration. So- any thoughts on that? Do you think about that sometimes? Are you feel clear on your intentions and your your aims right now in life? Is it something you ever think about? Well, for sure. I think about it because I feel most comfortable when I have a plan and I feel some sense of certainty. And of course, with the theme of this show being about getting uncomfortable in order to grow as a human being, I feel like I've also started to look for opportunities or at least find more 
contentment in uncertainty and having a lack of a plan and notice when I get triggered, especially as I'm planning my road trip, which I'm leaving for a couple days from now as of the time we're recording, which is at the end of October. And by the time this episode comes out, I'll have already returned. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like time travel with this podcast sometimes due to our record dates. And uh, we'll certainly do another episode about my experiences with that journey. And so just to throw this in here as a precursor to this trip, I really enjoy the process of planning. But what I've learned to do is to leave room for more spontaneity. And in fact, I think I mentioned this on the episode with Leanne we did a little while back after we returned from the first part of my road trip when I drove from Los Angeles to Massachusetts. Leanne, my friend, came with me. And I believe in that episode, I shared how if I could have done one thing differently, it would have been to leave more room for the spontaneous and do less planning. But of course, when I started planning my trip back to Los Angeles, I started finding myself back in that old pattern, Jason, of like trying to set everything up and figure everything out. And once again, before the trip even has started, I'm sitting here thinking, am I doing too much planning? Am I trying to control this too much? Have I left myself enough room for the spontaneous? And honestly, I don't think I have. So what I'm trying to do now is, and not just with this trip, because this trip is really a reflection of where I'm at in my life in a lot of ways. What I'm trying to do now is find a balance because I do want to feel comfortable. I think it's important for us to feel comfortable because if we feel too uncomfortable with life, we can often get stuck there and we can freeze. In fact, I'm listening to a phenomenal book right now called The Unthinkable. And it is so good. (laughs) I'm probably going to start it again from the beginning once I go on my road trip because I want to savor every minute of it. I'm about an hour into this nine-hour-long audiobook about how human beings handle disasters and really challenging situations. And the section of the book that I just finished was I think it was an interview or a study on one of the survivors of 9-11. And one of the moments that's really sticking in my head right now is how she came out of the buildings. You know, There's this whole story of, of her journey just to get out of the tower she was working in. And she's on the streets of New York. And it's so incredibly overwhelming for her mind. And she starts to realize as she's looking around the streets that there are unrecognizable objects And then she finally processes that they're bodies. And she was in so much shock over the whole situation. But then to see these human bodies on the ground, deceased, she froze. And she said that could have been the end of her life. But just pure luck, somebody who wasn't frozen grabbed her, a complete stranger grabbed her in that moment and pulled her away from the buildings right before they came down. And the author of this book was sharing how it's such a common human reaction in these really stressful times to freeze and not be able to take action. And that could actually cost us our lives or have really major consequences. And so with that information, I started to feel, and literally I just listened to this like an hour ago, so I'm still processing that story I heard, but I think it ties into my feeling of finding that balance between putting yourself in uncomfortable situations so you can grow, allowing yourself to be uncomfortable, being okay with being uncomfortable, but also doing things that make you feel comfortable so that you can function as a human being 
and so that you can survive. So in the case of a road trip, I need to survive this trip and it is dangerous in some ways. So I need to do some of the planning required of me. But then the key is to find that balance where I'm still adding in some discomfort. I'm still challenging myself to not plan over plan and plan every minute of the trip, like leaving those gaps in there as uncomfortable as they may be will actually lead to me getting more of what I really want out of the situation. And I think that that's just a huge key to life that I'm experiencing right now in many capacities. It just sounds like the mantra is balance. Like many things we talk about here is finding what your personal balance is, Whitney, because you and I tend to live on opposite ends of the spectrum in this regard, which we've alluded to in other episodes that you love to plan, you love to make spreadsheets. I love to improvise and make it up on the fly and just trust that whatever I proverbially speaking, you know, pull out of my ass (laughs) to bring up a crude aphorism is like, it's going to probably be okay. Now, does that mean that I could probably become a better planner, a more organized person. Yeah. I think that there's balance for me to cultivate. So it's almost like you getting toward maybe pinning the needle a little towards spontaneity and improvisation because not something that's necessarily your wheelhouse. And for me, it's pinning the needle a little closer to being organized and pre-planning. So it's interesting that you and I have that reflection of each other because I strongly feel that our natural seat is on opposite ends of that spectrum, which is maybe one of the reasons why we work so well together in friendship and business, because we have that that mirror for one another, you know? Well, one of the biggest things that you're going to need to focus on, dear listener, along with ourselves, is with anything you want to do in life, be it a road trip, being a reinvention of your creative life, your professional life, something that I'm going through, Whitney's going through, A lot of you are probably going through. I get a lot of messages from friends who are like, I don't really know what the next stage of my evolution is going to be with my brand, my business, my creative life. It feels like there are just so many people who are expressing some version of this metamorphosis, so to speak. And with that, this section of Take Charge, our ebook that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I think, again, this section that we're going to dive in today about personal and professional goals and commitment is is really timely. So we want to dive in again to some of our friends and colleagues that are leaders in the health and wellness field and some of the tips that they've used in their personal journey. So the first one, and this is a big one for me because for as much work as I've done on enoughness, we actually have another ebook. It was our first ebook that we released with our brand Wellevator and and the podcast here is You Are Enough. And it's all about ways to cultivate a sense of enoughness in a culture and a society, and in some cases, family situations that you might have grown up with that encourages you to not feel enough and diminish your worth. That's something that I still struggle with. So this first tip is avoid comparing yourself to others. And one of the big things that I feel is a huge challenge with social media and the digital technologies that we have that keep us connected is it really, really sets a lot of comparison traps. And I've just been noticing, Whitney, that my sensitivity around the perfectionism that even like really close friends of ours, I don't need to name them my names, but the stuff that they're posting, I just find that it's almost like setting a trap for me to fall into when I pay too close attention to what they're posting. And so one of our friends, Drina Burton in this ebook says, with all the social media noise, it's easy to get distracted by too much nonsense or worse, you get discouraged by comparing yourself to others in your field. I don't surf too much on social or blogs for this reason. Amen, Drina. Amen. And that's one thing that... I am motivated by Whitney to be doing my social media fast is I find that I'm not really able to consistently 
keep myself from falling into the comparison trap and going to some really, really negative thoughts about myself. So I'm curious when I'm doing this upcoming social media fast, how that's going to affect my mental health and my sense of well-being. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious too, actually, Jason. And I've thought about doing my own version of that. I guess in a way, part of me is doing the opposite in this moment, kind of playing around with this idea of doing things differently on social media. And then one other thought that came to mind recently was really stopping and thinking about what I'm not only going to post on social media, but any time that I stop to take a photo or video, even if I never share it, it's still kind of interrupting a moment. And I think it was in that book, Do Nothing, which I've referenced a lot. It's really impacted me a lot this year. I listened to the audiobook and read most of it as a you know written book as well. And I think it was in there that the author Celeste talked about how people used to travel and not take pictures. Like they didn't feel the need to capture everything and kind of prove where they went and prove what they've done. And I think that we are in this time right now where we are kind of conditioned by either society or have conditioned ourselves and, and myself included, because I've been doing this since at least 2011 or 10. Actually, you know what? (laughs) A friend called me out about this the other day, Jason. And it's a really interesting story as as a semi-tangent, but definitely related to what we're talking about. I've had this friend since I was in nursery school, and I've seen her a few times since I was have been out in Massachusetts. And we went through a phase of, gosh, probably five or six years of not speaking in the past 10 years. We went on this trip together in 2010, and I was just starting to get into like really getting Eco Vegan Gal off the ground. I was very consumed with blogging. Back then, there wasn't as much social media. I wasn't using Instagram at the time, but I was documenting everything for YouTube or my blog. And I was so in it. And I think a lot of people are in that phase right now with social media where you see how often they post things and how they would just want to document their entire lives. And there are times where I get really frustrated seeing people like that right now in 2020. But then if I think back to myself 10 years ago, I was that person. I was 10 years younger. I was kind of starting things off and getting excited and feeling rewarded and motivated by it. So anyways, my friendship with this close friend, again, I had since I was like four years old, um, we stopped talking a year or so after that trip we went on together. And it was really painful and sad. And I didn't know if we'd ever be friends again. But somehow we repaired the friendship a few years ago. And it wasn't until a few days ago before this recording that we sat down and we were just having a deep discussion. And she shared with me how much I have grown in the past 10 years. And she's like, I remember when we were on that trip together in 2010, you were documenting everything. You were so consumed with posting on your blog and on YouTube and all these other places that you weren't present. And she's like, it irritated me so much. And I didn't know how to communicate that to you. And I think that it had this big ripple effect on our relationship, clearly, because she's bringing it up 10 years later. And I'm sitting here now thinking, gosh, I still do that in some capacity, but she's telling me that I was even worse back then. Like, that's kind of (laughs) nuts. 
<laughs> you know, like I need to really pay attention to this and be present when I'm traveling, be present when I'm with family and friends. Those are precious moments. And I think that it's so easy because of social media, Jason, to get this distracted. In fact, this also came up in a discussion I had with my private group Beyond Measure and how hurtful it can be when somebody's just looking at their phone, not that they're on social media necessarily, but someone's texting somebody else, checking emails, looking some up, or even just glancing at our phones can be really hurtful to our friends and family. And they might not even know it. They might not know that it bothers them. They just feel irritated in that moment. Or they might not have the ability or the words or the desire to communicate that to you. And so what I'm curious about with you, Jason, on social media, with you taking a break, like how is that going to improve your relationships, not just within yourself, but with all of these external relationships you have? And then the other question for me is, do you need to take that much time off social media? Not you, Jason, uh, you as in myself, for example. I don't feel at this moment that I want to take the time off social media like you are, but I really want to re-examine how I'm stepping out of the present moment to create content that might be on social media. And also noticing the speed in which the urgency and how so many people around us can put this pressure on us to be constantly moving at a fast pace or, hey, why haven't you posted on social media? Like, I don't even know what's going on in your life. Like, that's another thing too, Jason, that you're probably going to experience is people might think that there's something wrong with you because you're not on social media. (laughs) It's like you kind of have to prep yourself and people around you to let them know what's happening because they're going to be so curious and concerned because we're now at this point where it's weird if you're not posting regularly and your friends don't even know who you are anymore if you're not sharing updates on Facebook or LinkedIn or Instagram or wherever else. And I bet you're going to go through a lot of that as well, which is super fascinating. Yeah, I look forward to it, to be honest with you, because I think what it does is it's going to lower the amount of engagement and time and energy that I am using for low value interactions with people. And here's what I mean by this. I find that most of the interactions that I have through direct message or through social media are low value. What I mean by that is it's like, oh my God, Bella looks so cute. Amazing. Keep posting. That's low value, right? For me, high value is something like I would get a phone call or a FaceTime or an email or someone will stop by my place and be like, let's take a walk around the block. Let's have a conversation. How are you? What's going on? What's coming up for you? How's your creative life? How's your love life? How's your family? Like high quality interactions with people. I find that the great majority of interactions I'm having online are very low quality. They're very low value to me. And I'm not saying that to diminish anyone who might be listening who also follows me on social media. This is not a besmirchment on whatever acquaintanceship or friendship we have, but I'm just finding like I have to assess what kind of interactions do I want in my life? Do I want high value or low value? And as much as I've been attempting to be mindful and curtail the amount of time I'm spending on my phone every day, I think my last screen time was still like right around the four hour mark. Do I want to be spending four hours on my phone every day? Fuck no, I do not. Period. I don't want to be spending four hours. The question then is, if I'm not spending four hours on the phone, what am I going to funnel that time and energy and focus toward? Well, I realize that to be blunt and just have an honest self-assessment, Whitney, you know, we're talking about commitment here, right? I've been wanting to finish so many songs that I've written that are like 
80% done, 90% done. Like there's, there's sections of these songs of mine that if I were to move three to four hours of a day of screen time and focus on music or focus on my creative life, things that I really want to funnel my creative energy into and maybe my aim and my intentions, my life will be very different by reappropriating that energy into high value activities rather than low value activities, responding to comments, responding to DMs, constantly feeling the pressure to post, keeping up with people. Four hours a day adds up real quick. And again, you know, seven times four is 28. So 28 hours a week. Damn, what could I do with 28 hours a week? That's where I'm at with all this. And in terms of when I'm off of it, where am I going to funnel my commitment to? Where am I going to go with that? And I also think it's like, if I'm not judging myself and I'm not comparing myself constantly, oh, I wish I was like that person and accomplished that thing or had that thing. Like, where is my mind going to go if I'm not constantly judging myself? And I think that piggybacks too on like something Robert said in the book was like, the moment you stop judging yourself and others and cease these arbitrary comparisons with people you don't know that much about, you become free to live your own best life and you're unconcerned with what other people are doing or what others are thinking about you. And that hits it on the head. I love what he said because- if I'm not like obsessed with what other people are doing with, right? It's like, oh, what kind of car did they buy? Who are they dating? What are they doing? Oh, look, that's them at the farmer's market. That's them with their new dog. Oh, cute, cute, cute. Like, what if I'm completely unconcerned with any of that information? You know, it's like, yeah, it's just removing the unhealthy comparisons. Samantha Shorkey also said in this book, she says, whenever I find myself doing unhealthy comparisons, I try to remind myself that pretending to be who I think society wants me to be or look like is stressful and boring. In my experience, when I shift my whole focus to just being courageous and authentic, it's pretty cool that confidence starts to show up at the same time. So I think a big part of this, Whitney, to me is even in the space of people are like, why aren't you on social media? Why aren't you DMing me back? It's like, hey, why don't you call me? Why don't you stop by? Why don't you send me an email? Like, we're, like I'm going to have to train people to realize that I'm not going to respond to them on those platforms. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. And I think that is a huge part about boundary setting, which we've talked about recently on, on some episodes and how we just need to be clear with people about where we're at. And then also know that we're not required to answer somebody else on their timeline unless it has something to do with urgency or like an, an true emergency. <laughs> Or even like if there's something business related on the line, somebody has made it clear to you that there's a specific need for you to respond to them in a certain way in a certain time. That's very different. But I think a lot of what you're talking about here, Jason, is how we've just conditioned ourselves to respond to people quickly and to share our lives on social media. And so people get used to that and they think, okay, well, that's always going to be there for me. And I think social media is really starting to shift and and hopefully that's true. And hopefully it'll go in a really positive direction. And the next couple tips in the ebook are about writing down your goals and getting clear on your why. And I think those really go hand in hand. It sounds to me, Jason, that you're clear on your why. And that's a huge part of being committed to your goals. They have to have a meaning for you, as Adam Chain talks about in this book, is really understanding what your reasons are is going to help you reinforce your goals, encourage you to create habits. And I think a lot of people just aren't clear about their social media usage in this case. 
or goals in general, whether it's fitness or eating a certain way or meditating or whatever it is that you're doing for your self-care. Sometimes we get caught up because of all this comparison. We start to feel like we should do something because we saw somebody else doing it. And the other tip that ties into this is writing down your goals because that actually helps you get more clarity and it gives you an opportunity to reflect on them in a different way. And in fact, the way that our brains operate when we write something down is very different. It's like we see ourselves saying something on paper. We feel ourselves writing it down. It feels more concrete and real. It gives you that opportunity to reassess. And this is another tip in there about how it's really helpful to do this at least once a year. I mean, we're coming up on New Year's, crazy enough. This year is flying by. We have a lot of uncertainty, unknowns, and I think it's incredibly important for us to tune into ourselves, especially this year, because it's a challenging time of year. And I think this is an important thing for us to address in the upcoming episodes, because a lot of people are going to be struggling with their mental health this year. And so if you're not really tuned in, if you're not assessing what's important to you, if you're not setting these boundaries and creating a life that feels good this can be more challenging than it needs to be. And this is part of the reason we're really passionate about being consistent, taking charge of your life, empowering yourself to discover what really works for you. Yeah. This whole idea of like getting clear on your why, I just want to piggyback on it because I feel like um, I'm trying to think of the famous quote about why. It was Nietzsche, Frederick Nietzsche, the, the philosopher. He said, he who has a why can endure any how. And that, that just like, man, it's like everybody craves clarity. You know, I think it's the only way to reach deeper inside of yourself to find out what makes you come alive. And I think that starting from a place of confusion or a lack of clarity, especially like me, if you love to do a lot of things, it's fine. Like most people's lives, I don't care what people present on social media. I think most people's lives are not perfectly clear. They're not perfectly manicured. And I I think if people were honest about it, I think every adult probably struggles with like, what do I really want to do with my life? What am I good at? What's going to contribute something to the world? What's going to make me feel joyful, other people joyful? I think, I really think, Whitney, that there's a stigma around not knowing what you want to do with your life. Like there's there's a guilt and a shame around this. We talk a lot about guilt and shame here on the podcast. I think, again, if people were honest, there's millions of people, I would bet, that have no clue what they actually want to do with their lives at any age, even me at 43, like going through this radical transformation. I don't know what I'm going to do next, right? And I think that that's okay. I think that self-discovery is a journey and and that being curious, being open to experimenting, exploring unknown, embracing surprises, doing things differently, maybe making radical changes that people don't even agree with or understand. You know, we talk about like people reacting to me being off social media or people moving out of LA. Like I'm probably, I don't know, I may or may not do some quote radical changes and that's okay. Because I think like you keep doing the same shit, you're not going to get different results. And Luke talks about if he thinks back to the changes, Luke Jones in our in our book that he struggled with in the past, it came down to the fact that he hadn't thought about why he wanted to make the changes because the underlying reason didn't match up with his values. And I think he says, if if you know your values and understand what really matters to you, you can use this as a guiding force to create change. And when you face inevitable obstacles, you'll have the drive to find solutions and keep moving. And I think like, I'm pretty clear on what my deepest values are. I just think that I need to sit with like, how do I want to leverage those values in the world now? I feel like I'm going through like 
I don't know. A metamorphosis is the thing that I keep coming back to. I just feel like I'm shedding this skin and it's kind of like really painful and scary at times, but it's also part of the process, you know? It's like you can't what did Ramdas once say? Ramdas has a quote too. I love just these recesses of, of the quotes in my mind. Ramdas talked about, I think it was in his book, Be Here Now, he talks about the snake molting. Ramdas said, You've got to go at the rate you can go. You wake up at the rate you wake up. You're finished with your desires at the rate you finish with your desires. The disequilibrium comes into harmony at the rate it comes into harmony. You can't rip the skin off the snake. The snake must molt the skin. That's just the rate it happens. And so like, sometimes I feel like Whitney, like, oh God, I want this like period of transformation to be over. I just want like the next chapter of my life or whatever the next thing is, but I can't force it. None of us can force transformation. None of us can force healing. None of us can force the new aspects of our life to be born. It's like part of the massive discomfort is just sitting with what is and being okay with it. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the best practices that we can do for ourselves. And and kind of skipping forward in the tips, that reminds me of the key around tuning into what you need. In our ebook, Take Charge, Matt Frazier says that being true to yourself and embracing the seasons of your life has been the only, quote, productivity system that has ever worked for me, me being Matt. (laughs) First, it requires a practice, sometimes meditation, sometimes morning pages or other journaling, sometimes a hobby like running or playing an instrument. This can create space for you to get in touch with what you really need and want. And then it takes the discipline and patience to be okay with whatever season you discover you're in. I don't know if I've ever read that out loud before, but wow, that's so wise. And this is one of the reasons we love Matt. We've talked about how this book really came together through participating in his annual bundle sale that he does. And a lot of these people, or all of these people in this book actually have contributed to that. And I just feel so grateful to know them because they're so wise. And learning from other people is is actually a really helpful thing. One of our other tips in this book is about having an accountability partner, which we've talked about. I think that comes up a few times in Take Charge. And I think just finding the difference between comparing yourself to someone versus learning from someone, feeling inspired by them. And that's something that I've done a lot over the years with social media as I've I've kind of become aware of anxiety and falling into that comparison trap. I started to unfollow people and be very mindful about who I literally followed on social media. And then anytime that there's something on social media that I don't like, I use one of the tools on there to mute somebody temporarily, unfollow them altogether if they just don't feel right. Or I can even in the discover section of Instagram, you can do this on TikTok as well, which I use a lot. You can say you're not interested in something and you don't want to see any more of it. And it's kind of curating that, finding these people that'll inspire you, hold you accountable, motivate you, and then noticing when somebody triggers you into a comparison place. And this is true in day-to-day life. It doesn't have to be social media, but really finding that awareness and and coming back to what Matt Fraser said about tuning into what you need is so important. That's going to be your guiding force through all of these challenges. There's also that great section about having an environment that supports you. And Jason, I'm curious, like right now, what are you doing to find an environment that feels good? Because you've spoken a lot about how you want to leave Los Angeles and you just returned from this trip 
traveling and I'm about to return from a trip traveling as well. And it certainly has me thinking a lot about the environment that I'm in wherever I am. So where are you at with that right now? And what are you shaping over the last few months of this year as you're spending all this time offline? I think just getting really clear and realizing that if I write down the type of environment that I want to be in, that that's going to lead me to that environment. And I think there's something to be said about one's personal sensitivity and what your soul or your essence is in alignment with. I, for many, many years, felt very much in alignment with the spirit of Los Angeles, the creativity here, the environment. But there's so many factors that, as an example, I don't feel in alignment with anymore here. And most notably right now at the time of this recording, there's a massive fire in Irvine, which is not that far from my house. It's only about a 40-minute drive down the 5 freeway. They've evacuated almost 90,000 people from the the area down there in Orange County. And I got back a couple of days ago and the air quality here in Los Angeles and Orange County is horrifying. I mean, it's I'm not engaging in hyperbole. It's my eyes burn, my nose burns when I go outside to walk Bella, my dog. It's bad. And I think I've tried to talk myself out of like, oh, are you getting into like doomsday scenarios? It's like, no, I think I don't want to live necessarily in an area where there's always like this level of subtle anxiety in the background for me. And it's not that I'm concerned about my house catching on fire per se, as much as it is that I am afraid to spend time outdoors and breathe the unhealthy air. And it seems like a huge portion of this year, literally months, has been being in an environment where I'm afraid to breathe the air outside. And I, I don't want to live in a place like that. You know, There's a, a variety of other factors we've discussed in, in other episodes about my feelings on moving out of LA. But I think that the general environment could be literally the physical environment you're in or the environment of the people you spend time with, the colleagues that you surround yourself with, the job that you have. Are people supportive? Is the place you're living in feeling supportive to you? Does it feel nourishing? Does it feel healthy? Do your relationships feel healthy? So I think there's the literal physical environment of your life, but then there's maybe the more energetic environment of the containers that you have, the relationships that you have. And I think this is critical to examine because I think if we don't examine this and ask ourselves whether we feel supportive and nourished by the environment that we're in, it's easy to slip into complacency. It's easy to feel a sense of cold comfort with things. And so I think it's, you know, these two months away from social media, Whitney, I'm really going to dive deep and drill down into like, what is the actual environment I want to be in physically, creatively, mentally, spiritually, all those things. I think it's going to be really great. And in the ebook, Chef AJ talks a little bit about this, but in terms of health, she says, always be prepared. Preparation trumps motivation. So always have healthy food prepared and with you wherever you go. You can't be healthy and well in the same environment that made you fat and sick. If it's in your house, it's in your mouth. The one that I pull out from there is you can't be healthy and well in the same environment that made you sick. That's really interesting because if we find ourselves in an environment that we don't feel safe or healthy in, much like me in LA right now, I think we've got to start looking for environments that do make us feel healthy and do make us feel vibrant. Absolutely. I agree. And that's one of the reasons that I'm enjoying traveling and I feel very grateful where my life is at right now that I have the ability to travel. I don't take that for granted, by the way. One of my friends said to me the other day who has a newborn or I guess not a newborn anymore. I think her her daughter is like six months old. And she said she just doesn't know when she's really going to get to travel again because of that and the circumstances that she's in with her life. And I think that's a huge thing to acknowledge and not take for granted what our circumstances and what our environments are because the grass is always greener. 
your job might prevent you from traveling, but perhaps you have more financial stability. You might have a child, but not everybody can have a child or has had one yet. And so both sides of this are equally important. And it's just based on where our choices are and where we're at and noticing what environment we're creating for ourselves based on what we have at that time, what we've chosen for ourselves. I really love the section in the book about not being afraid to try things. And this is a nice lead in from what I just said, because I think it's very easy for any like self-help personal development guides to be very focused on like, hey, if you just follow these steps, you'll get these results. And we've talked a lot about this on our episodes of the show, but we don't want to assume that you've listened to those episodes. So just to reiterate, we really try not to create a one-size-fits-all setup for you. We know that each of us and you included are on your own journey. And so when you're looking at something like this about fear, it's kind of like, is it fear that's coming up for you? Is it a form of resistance that you can move through that's making it hard for you to be consistent or try something new? Or is it truly your circumstances in your current environment that are, are creating a roadblock for you? So in this context, we have this quote from Derek. How do you pronounce his last name, Jason? Tree size. Mm-hmm. Tree, are you sure it's tree size? He jokes about it. And he also says like <laughs> T-R-E-E size, like he's tree sized. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's a safe bet. Okay. Well, I'll trust you on that one. He said that he's seen enough people who have a lot of passion and never took a chance. They've waited a month, a season, a year. Whenever you aren't sure about switching careers, entering a competition, or even taking up a new hobby that you've never tried, it's important not to worry about failing, but to give it a shot. And I think this is really great advice as long as you're in a position to try something. And I think when you tune in, as we said before, Is this a fear about failing something? That is very, very common. Is it fear about not being enough? As Jason was talking about, we have a whole other book on that. When you understand that motivation for not doing something, maybe you can move through it. But I also want to give compassion to each of you listening because you have to look at where you're at and what you have access to and not assume that because it works for somebody else, it'll work for you right now in your life, especially during a pandemic. This thing about trying is, <laughs> man, it's tough because I think a lot about uh, mortality, I suppose, not to be morose, but I just, I feel sometimes like I think about, okay, I'm 43, 10 years from now, I'm going to be 53, 63. My mentor, Michael, I mentioned at the very beginning, he's 30 years from me, you know, he's 73. Like, who am I going to be 30 years from now when I'm Michael's age? I think about these things sometimes. And our friend, Robert Sheik, who, again, we've mentioned has one of our favorite conversations here on the podcast. We'll link to it in the show notes at our website, which again is wellevator.com. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. His episode was just so rich and so deep and so vulnerable. Robert echoes a sentiment that's similar to what I kind of think about a lot, not in terms of death and mortality, but he said, I constantly remind myself of a quote from H. Jackson Brown Jr. who said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things that you did do. Robert says, that helps me keep perspective, helps keep me going, and reminds me that whether it's 20 years from now or two years from now, I don't want to ask what might have been. Therefore, if it's important to me, I take action and make it happen. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I need to hear this shit. (laughs) Because I know that when I get clear 
or when the clarity comes of like, what's the next move? What's the next chapter? What's the next endeavor? Like, I know I need to jump on it and take action on it and not, again, fall into complacency or fear. That's a big thing is like, I'm sure there's a lot of people right now with all of the massive changes and upheaval that's happening that are getting inklings of like, oh, I want to do a career change. Maybe I want to try something different, move to a different city, try something new like I am. And maybe you get tripped up by being afraid because we don't know what's on the other side of it. But again, I think one of the biggest spiritual teachers that this year is delivering to us is we never fucking know ever, no matter how much planning, no matter how much certainty we perceive we've cultivated, no matter how many best laid plans we initiate in the world, we have no idea what's coming for us or what will happen. So I think acting and taking risks and taking chances without expectation is, I think, one of the best and highest spiritual principles we can operate under. And I'm trying to remind myself, and again, reading through this ebook is just, it's a good refresh in so many ways, Wit. I couldn't agree more. I think it's actually really neat when you go back and look at things that you've worked on. In fact, right now, Jason and I are going back over a program we created at the beginning of this year called the Consistency Code. And I'm even questioning, like, was that really the beginning of 2020? Doesn't that feel like it couldn't have possibly been this year, Jason? It, it feels like so much has happened in this year since then. Yeah, for sure. It feels bizarre because it feels in one sense like, holy shit, it, at the time of this recording, it's almost Halloween. How did that happen? But it legit feels like it's been three years <laughs> packed into one. That feels yeah. so long. It feels so long ago to me. Yeah. It's, I mean, in a way, I'm grateful for that because sometimes time flies by much faster than I'm comfortable with. And I'm really interested in revisiting that program, the consistency code, because what we were advising people on at the beginning of this year is very different than how I would advise them now. So for you, the listener, in addition to downloading a copy of that ebook, Take Charge, which is in our free resources section of Well com. We encourage you to stick around and subscribe to the show and check your email because actually when you download any of our eBooks, it puts you in our email system and we're very mindful to never spam you. We send about an email a week, sometimes not even that, but you won't get too much from us. And we really try to load our emails with valuable information that we think will help you and feel free at any point <laughs> to send us suggestions because we like to customize our podcast, our newsletter, and the programs that we work on to your needs. And one of the ways that we're doing that is revamping the consistency code at a lower price and something that's more go at your own pace. And, and we'll see how else that develops. And we'll be announcing the launch of that very soon. So if you've been listening to this and other episodes in this Take Charge series and feeling like you could use a little bit more support with being more consistent in your life and implementing all of these tips, we've got you covered. And a little encouragement to subscribe to this podcast because we're not going to tell you any of those details in this episode. It's coming up in a few weeks for you or, or maybe even less, maybe next week. We'll see. It's coming up soon, though. I promise you that. Before we wrap this episode, though, we will pivot away from the book Take Charge because we're hoping that you're reading it along with us anyways. <laughs> and there's a lot more in that ebook than we've gone into today. 
I would love to give some brand shout outs, which is something we really enjoy doing because Jason and I love trying different products and services and don't always just want to be plugging ourselves or our guests on the show. There's a lot of amazing companies out there that can support you with your well-being. And one of them that I've been meaning to talk about for a while now, actually, and I'm curious, Jason, I gave you some of this product and I don't think I've ever asked you if you tried it. It's a company called CBD Living that makes wonderful teas. I don't know if that's all they make, actually. I'm going to go check their website right now. (laughs) But they have this great... Oh, they make gummies as well. Okay. I'm on their website right now, CBD Living. We're going to link to them in the show notes of this episode, along with any brands that Jason mentions, anything or people or or ebooks, et cetera, that we mentioned, that'll all be in the show notes. Again, that's at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If you go to the podcast section of that website, you'll find links to these things. And so, wow, actually CBD Living makes all sorts of things that I haven't tried. Well, what I have experience with thus far is their wonderful loose leaf tea. Oh my gosh, they make instant coffee. What? I'm on their website right now. Oh. Uh-oh, they found Whitney's trigger, the C word. <laughs> I didn't even realize. I literally thought that they specialized in tea. So I'm getting a little education along with you, the listener. And I have tried their Immuni tea, which is really great. It actually impressed me. I've been using it a ton. I took it with me on the road trip. And what's cool is you'll see if you go to their website, they have an infuser bottle that's made of plastic. I generally don't like using plastic, but this bottle is really cool. It's BPA free. So I gave it a try. And it was so great on the road because you can brew their tea hot or cold. So of course, you can just add it into any tea infuser that you have. They have an infuser ball on their website or even an infuser straw. They're doing some cool stuff. They have a silicone infuser. Like This company has you covered. So I used the bottle along with this Immuni tea. I got two flavors. I gave one to Jason. So Jason, I want you to chime in to share if you've used it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's been sitting in the back of your cabinet unused, but maybe I'll inspire you to try it if you haven't yet. I've tried the Echinacea apricot and the elderberry lemon. Both of them have 12.5 milligrams of CBD per serving, plus those other ingredients. They taste fantastic. And probably my favorite part about them is when you put them in the bottle, whatever temperature you want, it'll infuse it. And so on the road trip, when I didn't have access to hot water, I just put room temperature water in the bottle. And within 30 minutes, it brewed up this wonderful basically cold brew tea or room temperature (laughs) brew tea in that case. And it was so great to have it portable. And so I knew I was getting a dosage of CBD, which really helps with stress and anxiety and and, uh, just inflammation. I mean, we're very passionate about CBD, if you didn't know this about us already. And then I loved that there was the ingredients to help boost the immune system. So Jason, what's your confession? Have you tried it yet or not? And if you haven't, what's stopping you? And if you have, what did you think? Well, you would be accurate in, it's not at the back of my food cabinet, it is at the front because I wanted to remind myself. But if we're going to be so radically honest as we like to be here on the podcast about many things, when you gave it to me, I was really excited to try it and I opened it up and I smelled it. And it has sort of an undertone in its odiferous profile of a medicine I used to take as a child. I don't know why, but I haven't been able to get past that aspect of its 
smell. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to try and make it and maybe add some monk fruit or maybe add some cinnamon or, or try something. But full disclosure, I was super stoked to try it. And then I opened it up and I was like, oh, this reminds me of something from childhood I did not like. So I don't want to besmirch the company, but I need to figure out a way to get past that smell so I can enjoy it. That's so funny how everybody reacts to things differently because clearly it doesn't remind me of a medication at all. It smells like tea to me. Like I said, there's two flavors. I don't know which one I gave you, Jason. I'm guessing I gave you the apricot flavor, but maybe it was the lemon. I don't know. I mean, I think they smell and taste incredible. I try a lot of teas regularly, even though as Jason kind of teased me on, I'm a huge coffee lover now. So I want to try their instant coffees. I think that's awesome. But they sent me these two teas to try and I really enjoyed them. And I think it's great just to have something like that where you get a bunch of benefits. You know, it tastes good to me. Each of us have different taste buds. So Jason, I am so curious now for you to try it and see. Maybe it's just a smell thing, hopefully. Although your smell also impacts the taste. So we'll see about that. But the fact that it tastes good, it has CBD and it has the immune system boosting ingredients, I thought, like, how could you go wrong? They have different flavors, though, on their website, Jason. So maybe you just need to try a different flavor. They've got a matcha, for example. Can't go wrong with matcha, I find. I haven't had really a bad matcha. Even, I mean, this is going to be a weird shout out. It's not really a shout out. It's just a mention. But Starbucks matcha has actually improved. A little too much sugar still in it. But I was actually, I had a, a recently, my girlfriend, Laura, she's so sweet. She She's like, I brought you a matcha back from Starbucks. And I was like, this is, you know what? They've upped their matcha game. So anyway, Starbucks matcha happens to be pretty good. My shout out for the week happens to be in the same vein, Whitney. It is a CBD and cannabis product by one of the first companies I remember ever trying in the CBD world who are still apparently going really strong. It's Apothecana. They have an extra strength body spray that I actually reacquainted myself with. I originally used it about four or five years ago when I was training with our mutual friend, Damon Valley, and I was gaining a lot of muscle mass and kind of pushing myself and actually pulled a back muscle and a neck muscle and it hurt like hell. And I tried this out about four or five years ago. They have a brand new formula. It's an extra strength body spray and it's incredible. I've been using it on my foot as I'm currently in physical therapy for tendonitis and a foot injury and actually had a foot surgery last week when I was home in Detroit, which is great because it healed well. Anyway, this extra strength body spray from Apothecana, it's a, a mixture of Arnica, which heals bruising and relieves sprains, which is great for my foot. It's got peppermint, which soothes your skin and reduces inflammatory aspects, uh, juniper, which reduces swelling and soothes your nerve endings, and then cannabis, which is also anti-inflammatory and stress-reducing. I think it's got about 200 milligrams per few sprays. It's very minty. It's very fresh. It's very cooling. It dries really quickly. And I got to say, uh, whenever my foot is bothering me, when I'm doing this physical therapy or I go on a long walk, whatever the case is, it's been really a wonderful aspect of my healing routine whenever I, I don't know, it's just certain days my foot feels great. Other days it feels wonky. That is the official terminology. It feels wonky. So um, this spray has been awesome, Whitney, and I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Maybe we can like partner with these guys because I'm such a huge fan. I actually want you to try it. I don't know if you're in any pain. I certainly hope you don't be in any, any physical pain, but if you are, I'd love for you to try this. Well, I'd love to try it too. Luckily, I'm not. I actually got my first massage during covid last week, which was pretty cool. As a side note, I will say I went to this chain on the East Coast called Elements and they were so 
what's the word, like conscious about COVID. They had just such a great system because I was really wondering, like, do I want to do this? But I felt great about it and I don't have any symptoms of COVID. I'm going to be tested after my trip ends, but so far so good. But basically, you don't really have much contact. You walk in. I mean, there's obviously someone massaging you, but you go into this chain and a lot of them are doing it now. I was worried that the massage was like going to go out of business, <laughs> but that sounds kind of crazy in hindsight. Anyways, you go in, they have like your whole distance thing. They have you wait outside. You're barely touching anything. Everything's perfectly clean. But in the massage room itself, Jason, you have to wear your mask during the massage. They're wearing the, the masseuse or the therapist, I should say, is wearing a mask as well. But they also had a really cool air purifier in the room that I'd never seen before. And I'd been to this chain before. And it just felt super clean. Like everything in the building was just like anywhere else you would go inside. So it was a good experience. And it also helped me with pain. And I was having some strong muscular tension. It feels like an important thing to do on a long trip in general. And getting body work is something I feel like you should have done at least once a year. I can't even remember the last time I had a massage. I was really, really grateful that I did it. And then since we're on the CBD train, Jason, I'm just going to shout out something I haven't tried yet, but I'd like to try. And I think you're going to be excited to hear about because I went to our favorite market on the East Coast, which is Deborah's Natural Gourmet in West Concord, Massachusetts. It is phenomenal. I went with our mutual friend, Max Goldberg, who we've had on the show before. He runs a great website and newsletter called Organic Insider. And a web- his website's Living Maxwell. Check him out. He's you know all over the place and just super knowledge about organic. And please listen to his episode if you haven't yet. We met up there to have lunch together outside. And we saw the owner of Deborah's Natural Gourmet, who happens to be named Deborah. (laughs) No surprise there. She was there today and she pointed out a new product from a a CBD brand that we really love called Kefla. And they now make instant hot chocolate and I think a turmeric drink, like a golden milk. And I think the third one was a chai, but there's three products. They're instant powders, CBD infused with 25 milligrams per serving, which is pretty high. Jason and I love their chocolates. So I have not tried these new drinks yet. I'm sure they're fantastic because Kefla makes them. And it sounds like something that you would love to try, Jason. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of things on the list to try, but you know what? Taking things slow. Things will come when they're meant to come, but I'm excited about trying new things in all aspects of life, food products and all these new life experiments that are coming. So with that said, dear listener, if you want to experiment with some new things, again, you can go to our website. It's wellevator.com. Again, that's spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can click on the free resources section in the upper right-hand corner, and you can download your copy of Take Charge, the ebook that we've been referencing in this episode and a few of this previous. We also have some great free video trainings. And again, if you struggle with not enoughness, as I still do, check out our other free ebook called You Are Enough, which has a lot of mental health strategies for cultivating enoughness and a healthy self-image and practicing that, which is, I don't know anybody who doesn't need to practice that personally. And also you can email us directly if you have ideas, comments, smart ass remarks, suggestions, whatever you want to say to us, we're open and we will respond to your email. It's hello at wellevator.com. And we're on all of the major social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, Twitter, 
I missed one TikTok. You know, when you get back, Whitney, we got to maybe shoot some new stuff for TikTok. I don't know. But then again, I'm doing my social media fast. So probably not. Anyway, more on the social media fast soon. Until next time, dear listener, thanks for getting uncomfortable with us. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your reviews on Apple Podcasts and all of the uh, wonderful feedback you do provide. So thanks for your support, your energy, your love. And we will be back again soon with another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.